like for the most part, my clothes are what do my talking. Like that's how I express my vibes. That's how I express my feelings. Like if you want to know me, just look at what I'm wearing. Like that's, that's how, I mean, for me, it's difficult because I'm a chameleon and I love dressing like a million different ways. And so it's hard. Like you'll see me one day and I got the cowboy vibe another day, the Mexican vibe, another day, the Omaha storm chasers, baseball outfit, you know, like it's just, you know, it's different. Hi team. And welcome to the sustainably LB podcast. I'm your host LB from a young age. I've always been in awe of the natural world, the fashion industry and what lies beyond the veil. It wasn't until recently that I was able to put these elements into context and begin to understand how it is all beautifully interconnected how what I felt in my childhood, this thread of connectedness and intrigue, was a calling to something far greater than I could have ever imagined. The Sustainably LB podcast brings all of those elements together, and I'm so glad you're here. In this episode of Sustainably LB, I got a chat with an old friend of mine, Chris Cantoya. Chris is a freelance creative artist, and while he might be known best for his photography, his scope in the arts and fashion space stretch well beyond what he captures from behind the lens of a camera. This multi-hyphenate man is a stylist, an artist, a designer, and a photographer currently located in San Antonio, Texas. In this Midwest meets the South interview, we talk about the importance of storytelling, where he finds inspiration, and the power of community and heritage. So let's get to it. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, so much for uh, saying yes to being on the Sustainably LB podcast and sitting here and chatting with me about all of the goodness that you are doing in your kind of multi-hyphenate creative world. So um, I want to, we knew each other from a different life. So I want to get like your backstory, like where did your love of the fashion industry come from? What even brought you to Omaha? Kind of walk us through, through that, that journey. Yes, thanks again for having me. I'm excited to talk about fashion and art, my two favorite things. So, um, yes, uh, I actually come from a military family. So every single one of my family members, my immediate family, was born in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, But my dad was in the Air Force, and we moved to Omaha um, in 1994. Yeah, something like that. And um, that's how I ended up in Omaha for a high school and college. And um, I, I attended the University of Nebraska at Omaha uh, with a business management degree. And um, kind of rewinding a little bit, like my family, especially like my grandparents, always bought me cool clothes like since I was a baby. So I've always had a fashion influence, fashion plate kind of vibe to me because my parents were stylish and they always bought me cool clothes. Like I, I was wearing Polo Ralph Lauren since I was a baby, um, you know, like all kinds of fashion labels, whatever you want to call it. Like, I, I mean, it was there. Um, I think when I started picking out things for my own, even in 
middle school um, and, and high school, um, that's when I noticed, okay, maybe I really do like this because um, most guys don't like going shopping, but I did like going shopping with my mom. And my mom, again, was a big influence on me as far as her um, her style. And she's she's been a craft queen forever. So that's another thing that influenced my personal style and, and my point of view um, creatively. Um, she has definitely reinforced and supported that creative side um, for me, from me, all that kind of stuff, tried to pull it out from me. Um, so definitely my family has definitely had a big impact on, on my, my creativity, my style. I think I started taking it seriously professionally uh, during college. Uh, my One of my first jobs during college and even after college was working at a department store. Uh, you know it as Yonkers, but everybody else would know it as in like a Macy's or anything like that. Um, and that's where I found out what a visual merchandiser was. And that's where I learned how to you know, put outfits together and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's where it all kind of started professionally. Um, and I kind of just kept doing that. Um, one kind of cool, exciting story about Omaha specifically is one of my friends asked me to showcase or put on this like little fashion show um, to promote his business, his company. And so I came up with some t-shirt designs and I got some other fashion, local fashion designers in Omaha to participate. One was like a local boutique and they just were letting us use their clothes. I got a modeling agency involved so we could use their models. And the fashion show was in this warehouse um, in a garage. And it was like negative five degrees outside, but we still had it in this warehouse garage and we used these three Lexus cars is like lighting for the background and everything or for the runway. Um, so that was, that was my first big, big fashion experience at a local level. And I was, I was that, I think I was hooked probably from that moment on. And I really started jumping into every aspect of the fashion industry. Um, because like I said, I got connected with, you know, the hairstylists, the makeup artists, the local boutiques, all that stuff that, you know, gets involved with, with any fashion week, um, type of thing. Yeah. So much that goes into that stuff. That's hella creative backlights with the, with the headlights of the cars. I like that. Yeah. Awesome. Like, I, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. And it's kind of funny too, cause like Omaha had, especially at that time, it was really like the emerging fashion scene of the, of the Midwest. So you're kind of, ground floor there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so like you're talking about visual merchandising and I hadn't heard that term in so long, but it just like sprung all of these like synapses were firing in my brain and it's, there's like what, like 10 seconds when you see someone and you've formulated an opinion about them in your head. And I just kind of want to ask you about like personal style in that way. So visual merchandising, I guess, you know, if people don't know what that is, it's literally just how things look together, right? Like just piecing mm -hmm. things together. Do you have, 
do you have a go-to piece? Like what influences your style? Like what, what's the visual aspect of fashion that you kind of, like, what's your favorite? Do you have one? That was like five questions in one question. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll try to start with just a little snippet. For me, when I look at someone, obviously I do the whole look, right? But if the way I connect to people is if someone's wearing some really nice shoes, it could be pumps, it could be boots, it could be uh, sneakers. But that's one of the things that I really kind of clatch onto. Because to me, I kind of consider myself a shoe specialist, shoe enthusiast, whatever you want to call it. Um, because I've worked with shoes in so many different aspects. But specifically with sneakers, if someone's wearing something not only just cool, but I'll just connect with people by what shoes they're wearing if they're wearing something that's, you know, that stands out a little bit or it is very, very chic or something. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That sounds very, sounds very French. They always look at the shoes <laughs> first. <laughs> well, I have some French history, so that kind of makes sense. There, yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> So um, you said your mom inspired you and has kind of planted that seed of creativity and stuff. Tell me about tell me about your heritage. You said you have a little bit of French heritage. Mm -hmm. My mother, uh, my mom's side, um, she has French and German. And um, again, there's that whole chic side for sure. Um, and then she also has a little bit of Mexican. And on my father's side is my Latino side. So that's where I get both Spanish and Mexican heritage. Um, I have I have at least three or four great grandparents that are from from Mexico. They were born in Mexico. So I have a lot of interesting um, Mexican heritage and Mexican roots, I guess you could say. Um, and I think that's the easiest for me to tap into because that cult, the Mexican culture is so strong here in Texas that it's easy for me to um, just really dig into it and to embrace it and to express it in, in my way uh, or my version um, of that. And so I would say that's, I also embrace the like vibrancy of most Mexican colors and stuff that they wear because they're very loud. They wear a lot of loud prints and loud colors and old colors, stuff like that. So I think those are a couple of the ways that most people would characterize my style is, is using those vibrant and, and fun uh, type of style, especially with shoes. I like that's, I, I'm so inspired every time I go to Mexico, just the culture and the people. And like you said, the colors, like it's just, it's so vibrant. And to me, that's just very reflected in, I mean, all aspects of the culture, definitely, but the clothes and that, that richness is, um, that's beautiful. And I can see, I can see it reflected in your work. And I hope the people that are listening, go check you out and can see that as well. Cause kind of when you know that backstory, you're able to appreciate things more, I think mm. at least that's how mm. it is for, for me. So what I know, I know it's shoes, but like, if you had, if you had to pick like a statement piece, what would you besides shoes? Like, what do you kind of, what do you gravitate towards? I'm guessing it's probably going to be like colorful and rich. Maybe have like a story. I don't know. It's, I, I joined a baseball team this summer. 
So that's been my most recent new piece is either a baseball jersey or a baseball hat. And again, that kind of is connected to the shoes. You know, they kind of complement each other, enhance each other, uh, pair with each other. Um, so that's kind of been an, a newer thing that I've, again, that can be a very, very strong statement piece. You could have completely boring everything else, but if you had some pop jersey or if you had a pop hat, that everything else could be black, everything else could be white or dull or whatever, and it could still look cool um, depending on how you mix it. I I love that. It's because a lot of people will like choose statement pieces that are like a statement and then people shy away. Or if someone's kind of new to the industry or expressing themselves in that way, they'll shy away from those big things. But like you giving more of like, these are just kind of everyday stably pieces that you can use and then tie in together for a whole, a whole look. And I like the baseball example. Like you can, I can visual, I can visualize that. That's exciting to me. I like whole, I hope I like whole looks. So breaking that down was really, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> really, really so being in Texas now, right? You're in San Antonio. Um, and you kind of, you kind of described this a little bit, how it influences you in your Hispanic heritage, but like, I just break down the fashion, break down the Texas fashion scene for me. Cause I mean, you, you spend a bunch of time here in the Midwest and I think, I mean, this country's so, so big. I, people be like, Oh, you know, just like rhinestone cowboy stuff. And like, but that's just not, that's, that's not the, it's not the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I mean, even if you just took like Austin and San Antonio, I think that you're going to get two completely different styles and, and different um, local designers. Um, because I spent at least five years in the Austin fashion industry and then probably the last 10 or so in the San Antonio uh, industry and each one of those cities has a different vibe, uh, a different expression of of like let's say streetwear. You know, each one of those cities has a unique flavor um, when it comes to a particular designer. Uh, like just to give you a couple of examples, um, like one is this brand called Needed Fashion, and she takes like denim jackets or like a, a military green fatigue type of jacket. And she overlays them with these really bright and colorful prints on them. So again, it's kind of sustainable uh, fashion that she's reusing, mixing old and new or mixing what I would call like simple and, and vibrant or complex or, you know, a lot going on in the prints and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of a cool thing that, I've seen especially like a sustainable designer. And then another example of what I would call a San Antonio flavor or Mexican style um, infused into American is this um, accessories designer. Um, her name is Rosa Isela Couture and her specialty is hats. So she designs kind of like hats that have kind of a retro vibe to them like they look kind of old school like 40s or 50s um with mm -hmm. with kind of like fish netting and stuff like that mm -hmm. but she kind of does her modern interpretation of them um and i think they're just like they're just it's uh, so fresh the way she reinterprets you know her latin flavor with these classic you know types of of small hats that are almost more like hair pieces than a hat you know like 
it's just kind of um you know smaller but it still takes over you know like it it really sets the tone for the entire outfit when when you see these hats that she designs um so those are two like small examples of what i would what i'm seeing right now like just even those two both were showcased in this past texas fashion week and i thought that they have a really unique flavor and expression to their work that i love the I love the fascinator stuff. Like, I think that mm-hmm. needs to be um, more, I want more of that. I mean, not everybody has to wear that, obviously, but I, I love, I love seeing that. So when you were doing, you're probably really involved with Texas Fashion Week, right? Mm-hmm. What do you, what's your involvement? Are you like behind the scenes photographer? Does it change on a daily basis? Yeah, I, I get so fascinated, particularly by fashion shows. I th- and like you were talking about earlier, there's so many facets that go into it, like lighting, yeah. and photography, and models, and hairstylists, and makeup. Yeah, just what is what does that kind of look like for, for Fashion Week, or even as a whole, too? Like, what is your day-to-day? I, I mean, that's one thing that I will kind of backtrack and say that I've been doing fashion show photography um, for for Texas specifically for 10 years. And so like, that's one thing that makes me stand out from a lot of other photographers, even here in Texas or here in San Antonio specifically, there aren't that many photographers that specialize in what I would call runway photography. And I think that's one of the things that people appreciate from me specifically is my, my uh, season point of view, as far as that goes, when it comes to photographing, fashion shows because there's there's ways to just record or to document kind of a fashion show by just oh I'll just get the pictures this is what they show but there's also a way of showing it where like you're you're telling a story you're you're putting your spin on it and I feel like that's what I do whether it's like backstage seeing like I said the hairstylist and makeup artist doing their work on the models or the last minute touch-ups that hair designers I mean, I'm sorry, that fashion designers do kind of like what you would see on Project One Way or something like that, or just, just like different group shots after the show or them interacting with the audience after the show. Because I used to just focus on just the runway shots and just, you know, what I would call your your normal fashion show pictures. But those are really good at showing the details of the clothing and 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 the details of the model's face and stuff, but it doesn't really give you the whole story, the whole vibe of everything, like the audience or the room that the show is in. Because a lot of times, you know, the different rooms or the different venues of a fashion show will will set the tone or set the vibe of the entire, you know, show, you know, because it's the music, it's, you know, it's it's all these things that, that influence the feel of, of the, or the presence of this fashion show or the designers that are trying to create a story or tell a story with their clothes. That's, I think that's one of the reasons why I love fashion shows so much is that it's, it's an experience. It's not just a shopping trip, you know, you know, cause in the old, I mean, in the, in the in like the fifties, that's what it was. It was literally just these, these, these models walking around some chairs and that was it, you know, like <laughs> it was just like literally just like a dog and pony or whatever they want to call it show where they just walk, you know, up and down, you know, some chairs, but that's, to me, it's so much bigger and so much, uh, different now, even though it may look the same, like somewhat, 
I think there's just so much more to it. And that's what I try to express in my pictures is, you know, the different vibes of the models and the different vibes of designers and, and that sort of thing. I like that you bring the storytelling aspect to it because people outside the industry might think that it's glamorous and it, I mean, it is in its, in its way, but there's so much work that goes into it. Like you said, those kind of last minute details from the designer as the models, like literally about to walk down the runway and to capture that and bring that to people that otherwise wouldn't see it, I think is a really special side of what you do. Like, I, I mean, and I'm, I guess I would call myself a storyteller as well. So I really relate to that. And then having been on so many sides of the fashion industry too, while you were kind of like walking me through that, I'm like visualizing all these pieces. And I don't know how much um, my audience knows about photographers, but to me, and maybe it's because I know a little bit more, like a good photographer tells the whole story. Like even if you look at wedding photography when it's just like bride and groom shots like that's not telling the whole story it's like obviously that's why everybody's there but like you need to read the room and look at the audience or the audience (laughs) the guests it's kind of a show I don't know We, we won't go there but like the guests and like capture those moments too so like I I love I love that storytelling aspect so so much um and that's photography is how you kind of got like your start. That was kind of like your, like your first with that, would you call that like your first love? Like really, I mean, where does that fall in your hierarchy of love for the fashion industry? That is a loaded question and I'm sorry, but no, no, it's, um, I mean, uh, to me, I, I guess this again pertains to one of the other questions that you asked me is, um, photography for me has been a huge way to connect with people. Um, like I love photography because of the connection. Um, because I get to meet people that I would never, ever meet if I didn't have a camera in my hand, you know, it's, it's something that, and again, it comes back to what I was talking about with shoes. It's a way to connect people, to relate to people, um, to, to just start a relationship with someone. Um, and one of the things that I love about now, especially like, like I said, just this past fashion week, um, that I was just a part of, to me, it's a reunion, you know, me seeing friends that I haven't seen in a while, or I haven't seen maybe since last year. Um, but it's also me meeting new people and, you know, connecting with new people, networking. But again, it's just, uh, I think, uh, especially with, fashion industry people, I use photography as a way to make them look good. You know, like it's, it's like we enhance each other. And that's what I love about photography is that I'm making them look good. They're making me look good because they're beautiful or the clothes are beautiful. You know, it's, it's such, to me, it's just such a beautiful human connection, a human, you know, like synergy, if you want to call it. And that just, you know, makes me excited makes me happy, you know, all that kind of stuff. There, there was like, I mean, a picture is worth a thousand words and stuff like that. Or, or when cameras were first around, a lot of people were like, you're stealing 
souls with by taking a picture. So there was a reluctance there, but I think like you tapped into something like you're seeing through the lens of a camera. And if you have like a good photographer taking good pictures, like you, you do get to connect to that soul on the other side. And I think that's, I think that's really, I think that's really beautiful. And I'm glad that you brought that up because so often people, I think in the fashion, well, people that aren't in the fashion industry might view it through like a different lens of like, Oh, you know, they're just X, Y, Z thing. And they, and they photograph well, it's like, well, yes, like you said, it is symbiotic in that way. You do need the clothing to look nice, but like, there's something about like it, it taking a village, right. When you look at production and things like that, like, it's not just, it's not just a pretty face or pretty clothes or good lighting. And while all those things make the world of difference, like having, having that, having that eye and that wherewithal of what to capture and when to capture it is, um, is so important. And I think that's, I think that's definitely displayed in your work. And I'm glad that you touched on that kind of like soul connection aspect. Cause I think people just look over pictures of, of other people and kind of forget that there's a story there and that they have a story and a soul too. Do you have any, like any special like career moments or moments that when you were behind the camera and you just knew that there was something I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to pertain to just the one facet of photography. I know you do so many things, but like any kind of like standout favorite moments of your career thus far, where you're just like, holy shit, like, I can't believe that happened or I'm so excited that happened. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I definitely have met a lot of like what I would call like celebrities um, through fashion and what there, there are what I would call normal celebrities, celebrities. And then I would call separately or individually like fashion celebrities. So only people in the fashion people, I guess, would find them interesting or fabulous or whatever. Um, and that's been like an unreal experience for me, especially living in San Antonio. I don't live in New York. I don't live in L.A. So I don't get to meet, you know, big, big name fashion people. But I think those have definitely been monumental moments for me, like working backstage with Tim Gunn for one of his fashion shows for Lucky Brands. That was a really cool experience. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And then um, working with Rachel Zoe, she's like this huge wardrobe stylist slash fashion designer. Um, I got to just photograph her doing her thing and just walking with her doing her thing. And it's just like, it, it was, it, I mean, I wasn't even that great at photography at that time. <laughs> and so again, it's just like, I, I've had a lot of people support me and give me opportunities that maybe I didn't deserve, maybe I didn't earn, but they, they gave them to me and I'm still very in debt to them for that. You know, I still feel like I owe them and, and in, in appreciation and love and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's made a huge difference in my career because, you know, photography is so competitive. It's, it's easy to just like, I can't do this you know anymore, but, but like I said, just things like those experiences. And then I would say probably another big one, that's, I mean, it was a combination of things. So it happened in, um, 2020, 2021. Yes. 2021 of March, I think it was, um, there was still a lot of, uh, COVID restrictions and stuff like that. And I'm not sure how exactly it came together, but there's a magazine based here in Texas called 71 magazine. 
And I've loved and appreciated their work since I knew it existed. Um, and they asked me to do a couple of fashion shoots for them. And it was a lot of fun and I had a good time. But this this specific one they asked me to do was for um, an actress, Jen Padalecki. Um, and we were going to do the shoot at this interactive art place um, in Austin. And I didn't write down the name of it, but it'll come to me by the time I end the story. But in this art place, <laughs> they have um, all these different huge, big interactive art installations. And I love interactive art and I could go on forever for about, about that, but I love interactive art. And some of my work is, 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 is tries to be interactive. So we can get into that later. But so for this specific instance, for this shoot, uh, I was supposed to shoot her in a couple of different outfits in Austin, in this beautiful art exhibit that I wanted to go to anyway, you know, but here I am getting paid to do this shoot with this celebrity and just, just this, it, it, it was kind of like, there was a lot of like what I would call night light type of um, lighting. So you had all these different colors and you had all these different levels of light so it wasn't just like your normal studio stuff where it's just straight white you know i mean it was just so like i said it was like night times it the the theme of the magazine or that issue was supposed to be like celestial so like starlight or or planets mm -hmm. or yeah. you know all that kind of stuff galaxies right. um and so this particular studio or this particular art exhibit um had that going on at that specific time so for me that was just like a dream come true to work at somewhere that was art, had fashion, you know, it had just cool coolness everywhere. And, and it was the cover, it was a cover shoot. That was the other part of the accomplishment part of it is that it was a cover shoot. And I'd never done a cover shoot before for any magazine. Uh, but this specific one was a magazine that I admired and respected and, you know, was inspired by. And so for me, to, them to give me that opportunity to be on the cover was a huge deal and I, I love the way it turned out um so that was just a huge milestone for me personally and professionally i guess you could say that's amazing i mean for first of all clearly you have deserved <laughs> deserved it you said that maybe you're indebted and i think a lot of people can feel that way about their art or themselves but like i mean there's a reason particularly the last one you were talking about um, wanting to go to this exhibit and then getting to be there and getting paid for it like that. I mean, that's not, that's not just coincidence. I don't really believe in coincidences anyway, because like, what are the odds of things happening? <laughs> Very high. <Right. laughs> so like that, um, that's really, I don't know. That's really cool. I need to go back and look at, I need to look at those pictures. Cause that sounds amazing. I'm like celestial stuff, check like fashion art exhibit check. Um, mm -hmm. and back to the art piece too. I know that you said you do, uh, do art installations and things like that. So, I mean, not only are you inspired by them, you create them. So what does that, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, before I start that wonder spaces, Austin, that's the place. I could uh, not okay. Wonder Spaces. That name okay. makes sense. Yeah, that was that, that was a plug there. But <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, inspired by places like that, though, really, I mean, I have a lot of 
our influence. Like I took three on four online courses from the Museum of Modern Art uh, from the summer of 2020. That was when I took these these courses. Somebody posted that they were they were available and some of them were free. So I was like, I'm there. Um, so that really helped kind of influence and impact how I started doing art. 2020 was a big year for me. Um, I, I think for a lot of people actually, uh, but for me personally, it was, it was a huge, I don't know, introspective kind of thing that I was just like, what am I doing? What am I, who am I? You know, all these kinds of things. And I think art or looking at art or looking at becoming or expressing myself as an artist really happened big time in 2020. So in 2020, I found these masks. They were, they were supposed to be PPE or protective equipment, you know, to prevent you from getting COVID and all this kind of stuff. But it was decorative. It was, it was a clear skull mask and you could literally wear it. And they even came with stickers. So you could put stickers on this clear plastic mask. And like I said, it was supposed to be decorative fun, but it was also served a function of protecting you. But it was more of a fun thing. And so I got these masks back in 2020. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to play with this a little bit. And since I have over 100 shoes in my wardrobe, a lot of them came with extra shoelaces and stuff like that. And so I had all these extra laces. And I think I donated probably at least half of them to this guy who was making masks for people. Like he was just like taking fabric and making masks out of old shoelaces or not old, but just like extra shoelaces. And so I gave some to him and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something with these. So I started making some for my mask. And then I started like, you know what? I'm going to put these on these clear skull masks. And again, these clear skull masks were supposed to be for the day of the dead holiday. That is November 2nd and 3rd. It's technically two days, but it's celebrated on November 2nd, especially not only in Mexico, but in other countries as well, but in San Antonio is becoming a big, big, big thing. Um, so I kind of got influenced, inspired by it. It's actually become one of my new favorite holidays. Um, it's even overtaking Christmas. So, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that's, I, I, I use these shoelaces and I'll, I'm going to just do something with these shoelaces. I literally sewed the shoelaces through the mask to create kind of a 3D effect so you could see something different from every angle of that mask. I just I just like the way that it it was almost anti-gravitational because the shoelaces were were strong enough and sturdy enough to kind of like stick out. They wouldn't just flop over on the mask. They stick out and they have like an arch to them. And I like the flow of the lace through the skull and stuff like that. So I continued to kind of work with it and stuff. And Two years later, we're here now, and I just did this exhibit at Blue Star, or it's called the Blue Star Contemporary Arts Area in San Antonio. And there's there's probably 15, at least 15 different art studios in this one area called Blue Star. I mean, they have restaurants and they have uh, what I would call event venues and stuff like that there. But... Um, there's it's just an art hub basically here in San Antonio and one of my friends owns a boutique and there's a studio space behind his boutique that opened up and he allowed me to uh do this art exhibit with 
three other Mexican-based or Mexican heritage designers, and they did paintings, and one was a photo, um, and I did a couple of photos, and then I had these um, shoelace masks. And this, this, it was a family of masks. So you had the father, you had the mother, you had the child, and then you had the grandmother. And so these four masks are now in a window at this Blue Star Arts area. And they're lit, um, literally, with different lights inside the mask and uh, across the window. So it's kind of like a visual merchandiser's dream come true to do their own window. Yeah, and your own art in the window. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was very exciting. Again, a, a major milestone um, for me personally and professionally um, to have it um, celebrating one of my favorite holidays. Um, a lot of my friends, you know, really liked it, and I'm, I'm so excited about that. And you know, I think it just again expresses my culture of, of the Mexican culture, um, and just I love Day of the Dead because it's fun, it it's cool, it's um, you know, celebratory, but it's also very, very meaningful. And that's one of the best things that I like about Day of the Dead is that it does not only celebrate the people in your past, but it kind of reminds you of where you come from. There's just so many beautiful things that I love about the Day of the Dead holiday because it celebrates not only people that you knew, but you can celebrate people that you didn't know, like celebrities, like Selena, like Karl Lagerfeld, like whoever, you know, that you, you know, were inspired by or loved or cherished. Um, so it, you know, like I said, that having my, that art, that specific art display um, was a dream come true. Well, congratulations. Like that sounds amazing on a bunch of different levels. And I don't want to get too far off topic, but I like that you talked about the day of the dead being just a really special holiday, not only for your heritage, but just in general. I think that um, particularly in Western cultures, we, we're scared of death and we are viewed as kind of like output machines. So like once you're gone, it's like, well, goodbye. Like who cares? You're not, you're not here doing anymore, but that's just so far from the truth because there, I mean, you touched on this, like people's legacies linger on and it's so nice to acknowledge like where you came from and kind of like thank your ancestors for everything that they did that has gotten you to be able to be at this point. And that's kind of, even in a broader scope, part of like the sustainably LB thing is, is being slow and being intentional with what you do and sustaining life rather than like just running through it and just doing things to do things. So I think that's, I think that's really, that's really special that you brought like full circle with that piece. And I really, I want to see it. Like I want to see it all lit up. And I, I too have kind of been honoring um, the day of the dead in my own way. And I have mixed feelings sometimes. I'm like, Oh my gosh, is this cultural appropriation? I was like, I don't think so. I'm like, cause I'm honoring for for me and not like taking any culture away or doing like the skull the skull candy mask or anything but so it's a fine line that I tiptoe being that it's not a part of my heritage at all but I think it's a beautiful tradition that should be maybe Americans can do something similar and not just I mean people will be like oh you have memorial day I'm like 
<laughs> like that doesn't no. That's <laughs> not that's not the same. <laughs> I, I've definitely thought a lot of those things through because I've even had friends that are be like, you know, can I wear those masks like you said, even though I'm not, you know, Latino or Latina or whatever. And I, I definitely, you know, would say you definitely can. And I think that anyone can um do things like one of the big traditions of Day of the Dead is, is setting up what they call an altar or an ofrenda where you can set up pictures of the people that you still love, but they've passed on. But not only putting up a picture, but you're putting up a food that they liked, a shoe that they wore, a watch that they used to wear, a piece of jewelry that they used to wear. And just putting that up there, that again, makes you think of the beautiful things that they had or that they wore or that they passed on to you. And it just, again, is that cycle of honoring and respecting, you know, your heritage and the people that loved you so much or that invested in you. So I, I, like I said, there's just so many ways. I mean, whether it's wearing a sweatshirt that has, you know, a sugar skull on it or La Catrina or whatever it is, I, I think, you know, like I said, it's, it's something that I, I feel like any country or any race can celebrate or participate in because of the universal universal humanity and respect for your heritage or your ancestors. I think it's, I think it's just so beautiful. And if anyone kind of needs an introduction to that holiday, uh, Coco is amazing and basically always makes me cry every time I watch it. <laughs> like it's so good. It is a children's movie, but it's not for children. It's so, I don't know. It's very, I think it's, I think it's well done. I don't have any kind of say from a cultural reference point, but what I know and have been told from friends that just very wholesome. And like you said, like honoring, you know, that can't, everything is energy, right? And just because someone isn't physically there anymore, doesn't mean that there's not still that kind of like soul connection. So putting out their favorite food or like a watch that really, when you said that, that really touched me for reasons I don't really understand. So I might have to delve into that a little deeper, but like it, it, it won't go unnoticed. And I think it's just such a, it's such a beautiful tradition. And then kind of like full, full circle, bringing it back to those masks, it, the 2020, like you said, really caused so many people to have that, like almost that Zoolander moment where he's looking in the puddle and it's like, who am I? Like after he loses his, you know, model of the year or whatever, he's just like, who am I? And the, and the puddle, like his reflection is like, I don't know. And so you dive, you dive into just in, in 2020 things shut down too. Right. So you're looking mm -hmm. at what you have. So it's like, you know, kind of starting where you are and looking at what you have and not like creating more, but doing more with, I don't want to say less, but just like those things that are in front of you. And I think that just really, I find that so inspiring um, that you, that you took these seemingly very unrelated things and made something that speaks to kind of the multi-facet like of you, just like the multifaceted personality of you. So that's, that's just some like true artist shit right there is what I feel like. I appreciate that. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really hard to do something different. And so when I found that idea of doing something nobody's done before, at least that I haven't seen was so exciting. You know, like it was so exciting for me to like, yes, this is me and only me. <laughs> um, Cause I mean, even when what I wear is very much like that too. Cause like 
I try not to wear shoes that everybody else has, but I try to find shoes that are uniquely expressing my culture, whether it's wearing something that's Mexican heritage, whether it's wearing something that's like music related because I used to be a guitar player and all that kind of stuff. Um, or whether it's something that's, um, just has either a cultural connection or even something like, like you were talking about cowboy stuff. I still like having some cowboy stuff in my wardrobe. So, um, yes, I do have, you know, like a calf hair slash cow print type stuff, you know, like just to have, have it in there. Cause it's a part of me. So I gotta, you know, express a little bit of it there, even if it's a sneaker instead of a cowboy boot, but yeah. So I, I love that fashion, um, can be like that vehicle too, you know, like you don't have to, I mean, I was going to say, you don't have to wear it on your sleeve, but that sounds kind of funny when you're talking about actually (laughs) wearing things, but like, yeah, to be able to weave those pieces into your wardrobe and maybe no one else notices, but like, it's for you. And I think a lot of people often think that people wear stuff for other for other people and it's like no I don't mm -mm. (laughs) it's like I mean like maybe sometimes like if you go out with your girlfriends or something I was like but really fashion is about you and that kind of self-expression and those that are supposed to like recognize it I think do Mm -hmm. and I think that's how you make kind of cool connections that way too and I I love a good bolo I don't know if that's necessarily (laughs) cowboy-y but I love bolos so much I do not I I don't know where that comes from for me, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it definitely is. I mean, I have definitely have some bolos on my wall right now uh, for sure. Cause they're just fun to look at. They're fun to wear. They're, they're just a, a very uniquely cool Western, you know, uh, fashion piece. And we definitely know how to rock them here in Texas for sure. In in new and in, in modern ways uh as well as old school ways but i mean again that's part of the way i do my personal wardrobe is most of these things like bolos and stuff i buy either from like a local place um or through thrifting or places like i told you about my friend who has the shop at blue star his entire shop is vintage like there's there's nothing new in there it's all vintage stuff And that's where I get a lot of my gems from um, because he has both, you know, the cowboy Texas type stuff, but also the, you know, the Mexican influenced uh, folky even, you know, type of uh, indigenous type of art type stuff. And, you know, it's just a great, a great place to find like older things. And I love missing those older things. Like I said, with brand new things like sneakers and stuff like that. Um, but me personally, I, I've since again, 2020, I had nothing better to do. I started doing Poshmark and I never done Poshmark before. I was like, Oh my, I don't have time for that. Well, now I do. <laughs> and so once I got that train going, I mean, that to me was a huge way of rotating stuff in my wardrobe that I never would before. I mean, I used to take my, my stuff to places that do reselling, but that was, it was just, there wasn't a whole lot of good transition there. Um, and just trying to find really cool, sophisticated, um, or elegant or just unique stuff was so hard to find in like places like that, like a Buffalo exchange or something like that. So 
Poshmark was a huge way for me not only to sell my own stuff, but to find things that I would never, ever find locally. Like, never. Like, I mean, even the stuff that I sell to people, I sell to people like all over the United States, not just Texas. Like, I'm, I'm selling stuff to everyone. I'm buying stuff from all over the United States. Um, so I'm kind of a Poshmark ambassador in my own way. <laughs> I mean, I don't talk about it with everyone, but it is something that I've, it's been a huge influence on my personal wardrobe. Um, like the jersey I'm wearing now is a Mexican Adidas jersey, but I mean, I got it probably less than half of what they normally charge in a regular department store because I got it used. So those are expensive. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I saw I saw that earlier, and was gonna ask you about that because I, <laughs> I I like soccer a lot. It's it's my favorite, but we don't need to we don't need to talk about World, World Cup's coming up in December. So oh my god, <laughs> what a I'm excited about that. But there's so oh, strong opinions from me there. But we, <laughs> I just oh, FIFA anyway. Um, <laughs> So, but I am excited. I am excited about the World Cup because I think it is a great um, uniter. I mean, it's the it's the world sport, right? Like, it's just it's just a there's a lot of there's a lot of feelings and emotions, and just like fashion, sports can unite people and uh, all that good stuff. But back back to fashion, I think one thing that you touched on was like mix, mixing the old with the new, and for so long, I. I wanted, like, I knew I didn't fit in, but it was so hard for me to like push back on, like, I'm a firstborn, like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to like be good and like fit in. And I just knew that wasn't right. And so a part of that was everyone would dress the same, like in high school it was like Abercrombie and all, ugh, all of that. I can't even, it breaks my heart to think that I was that person, but you know, you live, you learn. And it, and like, I think we're kind of moving away from that like because there is more you know Poshmark or vintage shopping or shopping local or shopping smaller designers and and I love that shift of more of a curation of your personal style and your wardrobe and mixing old and new and stepping away from like let's look like everybody or let's latch onto this new trend or you know I just I just don't think that there's any place for that and I love to hear I mean, of course, in my, in my circles, I kind of like, obviously that's what we all kind of do, but like, just even you kind of like plant a seed or like that guy has something that, you know, like that, I like that style. Like, what is it about? You're like, well, none of it is from like trashy brands. You're like, this is like, this is vintage. You're like, I hunted for this piece. Like this whole, Mm -hmm. again, the whole nature of like slowing down and kind of being more intentional with your purchases and how you want to craft your personal look. And I just, I love that that's kind of creating ripple effects. I mean, maybe it is a little bit easier for artists. I say that, and I always think that people are on the same page as me and I know that they're not. So, I mean, you just start where you are and you use what you have kind of in that same vein. Like, how do you find balance when you, I've run into this in my personal life, and this is really even more of a question for me. How do you find balance when you love what you do? Like, how are you able to like, like check out and kind of turn, turn that thing off and, and just 
just be rather than wanting. I think it's so hard for creative sometimes because, because you can find inspiration like literally anywhere, you know, Mm -hmm. what is, what's worked for you? I mean, as far as like life balance goes, I I feel like I tend to err on the resting and, and letting things come to me versus me going out there and doing things, you know, like running a hundred miles per hour and, and doing all of these events or traveling all over the world. I mean, I feel like I just kind of more, I'm more of a sit and let things pass me by. Or, uh, I mean, I ride my bike, you know, like I ride my bike. That's one of the ways that I exercise and, and interact with my community is just by exploring on my bike. And so, like you said, I can get inspiration from that. I can, I can see murals on the walls. You know, there's just a lot of the, the architecture of the city um, here is very unique again. Um, so that's one way that I connect with my community and with my city and with its art, um, especially that what I would call public art. Um, but as far as uh, professionally, I, I'm, I don't know, like it's for me, I, me personally, it's challenging because, and this is probably true for any artist, actually, whether they consider themselves successful or whether they're newborns or rookies to the creative world, it's it's challenging because you have to earn your living. And then outside of that nine to five or whatever it is that you have to do to pay the bills, you have, you know, your art time and that's very few and far between. And then there's family or romance or whatever you else you have time for. So there's almost always something that's going to sacrifice, you know, and for me, that's, you know, it's been my personal romantic love life has been on the back burner <laughs> uh, for the last four years or so, just so that I can focus on, on art or focus on family. I have a 10 year old son. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's a constant, you know, let's rotate what's the priority or let's, you know, spend time doing this versus that or whatever. So to me, it's just about rotating and and about, you have to sacrifice something's got to give, you know, like, and I feel like I've, I feel like I've had a good balance, but at the same time, I think finances also have struggled or that's been something that have sacrificed is that I don't spend 60 hours a week working on, on things that are going to improve my retirement 40 years from now or 20 years from now, whatever it is for anyone. So I think that's something that I've sacrificed as well is I haven't, you know, worked so much to, to invest in my retirement or invest in the future. So that's maybe hurt me later on in life and, you know, down the road, whatever you want to call it. But that is something that I've sacrificed is that I've concentrated so much on, on sewing or investing in the here and now. Um, like I was saying before, with local designers and local talent and stuff like that versus, you know, I could spend all my time just investing in my personal family and that's it. And just do that, you know, have my own little world. But I really choose to step out and be involved in the community. And and that's a sacrifice, you know, like that's a sacrifice for my for me uh, and also my family and like my future. So it's it's a hard thing to, I guess, weigh is the best way to describe it, you know, weigh what's the priority or weigh what's going to happen 10 years from now. Um, so those are things that I would say that my, my two 
personal sacrifices that I'm making now so that I can be both creating art and have a living, I guess you could say. That's a, that's a common theme that I have um, run across, not only in my personal life, but talking to other people and even um, the, the David Bowie documentary, uh, Moon Age Daydream, is excellent. But what he said was similar to what you said. Uh, they had um, an interview with him and, and she was talking about like, loving someone and like being in love. And she's like, you know, that there's a difference. And he's like, Oh yeah, I know that there's a difference. And she's like, well, if you're, you know, if you, if you love someone, if you're in relationship and stuff like that, it's like, you have to, you know, make time for them and sacrifice. And he's like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not, Nope. I am not willing to do that right now. He's like, that's, he's like, that's why I keep people at arm's length because this, this creation and what he was at the time and everything just took, precedence over all of that. And I don't know. And I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. Like you said, you're like, it's just a point where you are, where you're choosing what is more important to you. And, uh, that's, um, like, I mean, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough choice. And to, but to have the wherewithal to like make that choice is something that, you don't want to commit to something that you can't, whether it's like a friendship or a romantic relationship or something like that. And pulling back into yourself, I think sometimes gets a negative response from people and I can see why, but I think that it's so important to highlight that that's just sometimes what we have to do. And it's not strictly about putting ourselves first, but like this is, you know, our individual lives and we get to decide how we show up like that. And especially as a creator, as an artist, there's a lot that goes into it. And sometimes I feel like you're always on, like you were saying, like everything can be inspiring. And so then you get an idea and it's tricky. It's tricky business. I feel like everyone has a different purpose. So one person can't say, this is how you do it. You know, like that's just, that's just not the way humanity works. You know, like we're, we all have a different piece to the puzzle, you know, or uh, we all have our different pieces of the pattern or whatever it is, you know, the, fabric of life or whatever like it's just and that's what i i appreciate about life is that not everyone is gonna be the million dollar you know doctor not everyone's going to be you know like a restaurant you know owner or something like that you know like it's just everyone's has their own their own path but thankfully beautifully you know they come together in one way so it, i think that's the most important thing too like kind of what we've been talking about the whole time is Yes, we have our own individuality through our clothes, but we also have our own individuality as far as purpose and, and our profession and, and stuff like that. Like it's just, it kind of just complements each other um, in one way or another. Yeah, it's the, I mean, you said it perfectly. Like we're all, we're all very much individuals, but we're all connected. Like it just, I mean, we're all, we're living in community together. We're, you know, experiencing, we're living through this absolutely batshit crazy time in history together. Like we're all, like we're all, we're all going through it and we all have our own individual, you know, lenses through what that looks like, but we're just so much more alike than, than different. I'll kind of roll two questions of mine into one. So a, what are you, currently most excited for kind of in your future and then like what is what is next for you 
Those are tough questions um, because to be like, frankly, honest, I don't know what's next. You know, like, I don't know what the next big thing is. You know, like, I'm not like a fashion designer where I have a big collection coming up next year or something like that. You know, like, that's the thing about both photography and art. You know, I may completely change what I do next year or I may completely change what type of mixed media I use, you know, next next year. Um, the only thing I can say for sure is that I, I want to collaborate with, with other, um, artists because that's something that I, I want to do more of because I want them to influence me. I hope to inspire them again. It's, it's, it's about that, that, um, synergy, uh, the creative synergy that happens. And I also hope that in the future that I have maybe some sort of like streetwear collection. That is something that I've always appreciated. And then again, going back to the sneakers, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of the culture, you know, it's a part of the sneaker culture. It's a part of the streetwear culture. Uh, it's a part of the international. I mean, just like internationally, everyone loves soccer. Well, internationally, everyone loves sneakers too. You know, like that's another thing that I love about sneakers is it's not just an American thing. Everybody loves, you know, cool sneakers. And so just like, again, having that, future because like whether it's sustainable you know collaborating using different materials and stuff like let me give you a small example like there's a company a big company actually in san antonio called san antonio shoes they've been making shoes for over 50 years and they make shoes here here in texas not in china or wherever else here in texas like here in the city they have two huge warehouses and two huge factories i guess is what you want to call them um, and I've been able to collaborate with one of their, uh, well, the main creative director there. And we're actually going to make, we're in the process of making the, a day of the dead themed shoe. So I've, I found this really cool papel picado, which really means like cut out like flag, like you have in the opening scene of Coco. It's like that where you have those little flags that have different things on them. And so that's part of the shoe. And there's other elements, but it's like a custom collaboration that I'm doing with this company. And so I hope to do more things like that, where it's, you know, it's a unique shoe that's a custom because there's a, a local guy here in San Antonio that's got a huge business. He's worked with huge celebrities in customizing shoes for them. And I don't want to necessarily do something specific like that, like, like as far as a career, but I definitely do want to collaborate with different um whether it's companies or whether it's local designers to create unique pairs of shoes that you know really express a specific either idea or story or you know it can be something that's very specific like an indian tribe or something like that or it could be a food even you know like here something very popular is 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 like a, a raspa or it's like a snow cone, but it's like a Mexican snow cone, I guess you could call it. Um, and so one of the shoes that I have, it looks like a snow cone because it's, it's, it's a Jeremy Scott Adidas shoe that looks like it's wet. Like the fabric is so unique. Like I've, I've never seen any fabric except maybe like patent leather like looks like it's liquid. But anyway, just creating things or trying to customize shoes specifically that again, tell a strong story it's like wearable art, basically. One Again, one of the beginning creative pieces that I did uh, was for Fiesta. Fiesta is a huge celebration that happens here in San Antonio. And I hope to do some collaborations with 
that week. Fiesta is very much kind of like a Mardi Gras, but a San Antonio version of Mardi Gras. Again, with its own roots, its own heritage, its own stories and stuff like that. That's over 100 years old. And I hope to do, you know, like custom work, whether it's on shoes or elsewise, that, again, represent the city, represent our culture. But again, it's a modern version, my kind of interpretation of that art, that heritage, um, you know, creating art that has to do with my my specific culture, but also my specific city. I mean, I hope to narrow it down to even like that part of my story, I guess you could say. No, that's brilliant. Like, that's amazing. Congratulations. And like the whole, the whole city thing, I think that we get so, I guess, sidetracked or, you know, sure, sidetrack's the best word I can think of, but like looking outside of what's in front of us. And I mean, I've kind of learned that coming back to Omaha as well. I'm like this, I'm like community is where it's at. I'm like being being here, being present, like actually in the city and looking towards the city for support and inspiration and connection. Cause it's there. You just, I mean, sometimes you have to work a little bit to find it, but I think that's so beautiful to kind of cultivate those little connections and gems. And you can have such pride too, you know, and be like, this is my city. This is my thing. This, this represents the multifaceted stuff of who, who I am. And I think for, for that being shoes for you, that is, that's real. That's, that's really cool. (laughs) That's really rad. Is there anything, anything beyond that you want to like do in the future? Or is it just kind of, I mean, as a creative too, it just ebbs and flows so much. Like sometimes you're like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then you get to a place and you're like, "Mm, maybe I don't want to do that anymore, which is totally fine. I think people get so hooked to ideas and they're like, well, I wanted to do that. Well, now you're a different person today and you don't. So you, you can go with whatever you are feeling at that kind of moment. If that's, if that makes any, if that question makes any kind of sense. No, I, I definitely, I mean, even as a photographer, my reasons for doing photography have shifted. Um, my, my subject matter or even just why I shoot certain events or stuff like that. Um, like just to keep an example, I used to do a lot of like, photo shoots or what people would call fashion shoots um you know where the model would dress in a specific theme or like a 50s kind of vibe or whatever you know a a time period piece and so i've kind of shifted from doing that to focusing more on um just like events and just things um like that so it gives me more time to work on art and more time to think about what's next, like you said. Um, and so I've reduced my amount of, uh, photography so that I can make more room for, again, thinking about or doing things either with my personal wardrobe or with collecting instead of creating or, or shopping more so that I can come up with new materials and, or not new, but like recycling materials as a better word. Um, like to give you an example, so um, with some of the jobs that I have, they have they have hat hat packaging is what I would call it. It's like a it's like a frame to keep the hat from getting crushed. 
So this plastic pieces, kind of like what I was using for the mass. And those plastic pieces are hard enough to have structure that I can use them to, to again, sew shoelaces through them or sew wire through them to, to make them what would be normally discarded trash, but using that in an art type of uh, fabric or art type of piece to, to a canvas. There we go an art canvas to to work with or make something out of some something out of nothing i guess you could say um and so that's what i'm trying to focus on in the future too is trying to come up with again unconventional type of things connecting but also turn like what some people would use as trash or what some would you and make it more interactive art that's another thing that i'm kind of shifting here i'm trying to focus on making like interactive art um, because yes, I'm focusing on recycling things, but even like after the piece has been made, so let's take my skulls, for instance, again, once let's say I don't sell them or I don't use them for a display, I can take that mask and pull all the shoelaces out and use those shoelaces for shoes again. Like, it's kind of like a recycled thing of like, I'm trying to use stuff that can be used again or used for something else. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm taking what was meant for something else, used it for art, and then I can go back and use it for something else again. Because I'm not using a lot of glue. I'm not using a lot of tape. I'm trying to use stuff that's, that people can touch and feel and, and change. Like a lot of these, that's the beautiful thing about shoelaces. You know, I can change and change it like a million times if I wanted to, because I can tie them together or lace them different or use different color laces. I think that's another appealing thing about what I'm doing with art is that it, it's evolving, I guess is the best word. It, I mean, I could think about it one way, one month, and then a, a two months from now, I'll change it again, or a year from now, changing it again. You know, like there's kind of like this unended infinity kind of thing to it. And so I, that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on too, is create things that people can interact with, be a part of. Like one of the skull displays that I have it's it's a it's a it's an eight foot tall skull made out of shoelaces, but you can expand it, you can move it like it's a curtain kind of thing. You can be inside it, um, you can be in front of it. I mean, like that's kind of what I'm trying to do with art too. Is I'm trying to create pieces that people can play with, I guess you could say, um, and kind of connect with it not only visually but like physically and sensory kind of experience too. That's amazing. I like that just looking at things in a different, in a different way. And then with like being able to reuse it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I never really even thought of that when you're like, I sewed the shoes on. I was like, oh, so there's like, you know, like not glue, like you're not ruining the shoelace. You're just Mm -hmm. applying it so that if you ever wanted to take it apart or it served its purpose or whatever, you can do it, do it again. And I think that's, that's amazing. And obviously, I mean, that's very, it's very sustainable, but like, it's also, it's also extremely creative. And I kind of like, it's one of the things about sustainability that I love. And definitely one of the things that 2020 taught me, I was like, humans are innovative, you know, we just have to kind of be given the push or the chance or, you know, like we can, we can create for, for good. And I I like that you're using your powers for good. (laughs) 
Exactly. Um, okay. So I will ask you, I'll ask you this one last question. Kind of back to the fashion industry. Where do you think there is room for improvement, I guess? How do you think that we could be, you know, more inclusive or sustainable or, you know, kind of put people and the planet before, before profit? You don't have to describe all of those things, but like, where do you see uh, one very feasible thing that that you can do or that we as individuals can do to kind of move the fashion industry forward? Well, I think um, a big thing that's definitely down the road is, is 3d printing. I mean, I think 3d printing will become a huge thing um, because even companies like Adidas are trying to print out 3d printed soles that are unique to an individual, not only doing that, but doing it at a local level. So I feel like, the more we push to have localized things, I think the more it will not only help like our, our planet and our environment, but it'll also help escalating the economy locally and investing in the community around us. And so I hope that that's like a futuristic perspective or a futuristic theme as far as corporate level type stuff um, that we should try to invest our money into those types of uh, technology, I guess. So that could mean investing in a company. It could mean buying certain things that not only are recycled materials, but companies who are investing in that futuristic type of what I would call customization. So that's what I would say for like a corporate level. But I think personally, I think we can just try to find things that are multifaceted with our, with our wardrobe. Like I was saying before, like Sometimes you have pieces that you can refresh or make new. So for an example, not everyone can afford to buy a hundred pairs of shoes like I do, but you know, you can always jazz up maybe an older pair of shoes by throwing on a, a unique lace, like let's say an animal print or something fun that changes or like a gold lace or something like that, that you're still using the same shoe, but you're adding something on top of it or something different to it that makes it uniquely you or like that has your flavor or your vibe to it and i think that's one way where we're not buying like i said we're not buying one pair of shoes every week or every month or or every year or whatever it is that we're trying to purchase pieces that you can change or that you can customize i'm looking at a pair of vans shoes right now and they're like for me and a creative artist person that like a dream come true because you can change the velcro pieces on the shoe and you can make it like as plain as you want or as loud as you want or mix colors or you can drive people crazy because one right shoe has certain things going on and the left shoe has certain things going on i mean i just feel like if companies are giving us the opportunity to change things it's not only gonna make us use this one pair of shoe more often that it's giving you versatility at the same time. Like it's, you know, it's making more out of one thing, kind of like what you were saying earlier, like doing more with, with less, you know, this is the good kind of more is more <laughs> in, in one, one pair of shoes. I love that you say shoelaces too, because it's such a, it's such an easy and relatively inexpensive thing to do right. to give it like a whole whole new look like as you're saying that i was thinking about some of um, my pair of sneakers my pairs of 
Vans and Chuck specifically. And I was like, oh, a lace. I was like, a lace shoelace that would change the whole, that would change the whole game. And like, I just, I had never, that thought had never crossed my mind before. So thank you for that. Um, I mean, just thank you in general, Chris, for um, sitting and chatting with me and uh, just taking, taking time out of your day to let me ask you all these questions and pick your brain (laughs) and tell me about, you know, like walk me through basically your, your backstory and, Tell me about Texas and San Antonio, and I just I really appreciate it, and I'm so grateful that uh, we're able to connect in that Instagram and this tiny little space of the world has been able to connect us. And I I don't I just I don't believe in coincidences whatsoever. Like I said earlier, so I always think there's a time, place, and purpose for things. So yeah, thank you, thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed catching up with an old friend. I mean, it could be San Antonio, it could be Omaha, it could be Denver or San Francisco, you know, wherever, literally wherever you call home, community is so important. Culture is so important. Connection is so important. Honoring where you come from and sharing those stories really fosters that connection and helps us get back to our roots in a way. So I hope that part of our conversation landed and rings true. You know, we truly start where we are and use what we have because we don't know what we don't know. The best place to find Chris is on Instagram at Neo Ombre, and that is N-E-O-H-O-M-B-R-E. His handle is linked down in the show notes for you to make him super easy to find. Thank you again for listening. And as always, remember, together we will unfuck this. Bye.